and welcome to Redefining Alpha, a podcast series for sales leaders. I'm one of your hosts, Frida Odesson, VP of US Sales at Cognizant. I'll be interviewing a range of forward-thinking sales leaders on how and why B2B buying behavior has changed, and we'll be unpacking why these trends are important for outbound. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Chris Rudigrap, uh, CEO of Sendoso today. Uh, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Excited to be here, Frida. Yeah, great to have you. Um, before we jump in, do you mind introducing yourself to the listeners? Of course. So I'm Chris Rudigrap. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Sendoso. For those of you who haven't heard of us yet, we are a sending platform that helps other companies, specifically B2B companies, send out corporate gifts, handwritten notes, swag, you name it, we can help you send it out. And sales teams love it to book more meetings and, and speed up pipeline. Marketing teams love it to help build pipeline, uh, customer success teams, you name it. Any kind of customer facing team uh, can use this as just another channel and another way to grab the attention of your prospect or customer. And I've been doing this for about seven years. And then prior to that, I spent about a decade in software sales myself. And so I was in the trenches as a salesperson, trying to book meetings myself and, and close deals. And I found that just sending out a gazillion emails wasn't working as well. And I wanted to get more creative. And so I started manually sending out gifts and swag myself and it was a headache. And so I dreamed up of a better system and here we are today. All right, awesome, very cool. I'm excited to dive in. Um, today we're going to talk about like personalization, multi-threading, things that I know yep. like Sendoso helps with. So I'm very excited to dig in there. Uh, but before we dive in, uh, one thing that we always start uh, asking every guest is, what does redefining outbound mean to you? Gosh, good question. Um, I could take this in a couple different ways. I think, you know, uh, part of that to me means like using data and creativity to build like a repeatable system to generate meetings. Um, but I think in another way, maybe it's really learning from everything in the past decade while incorporating new techniques to build an outbound engine. All right. So um, my first sort of question that I'm excited to dig into is uh, about personalization, because I know this is something that, uh, you know, Sendoso is very passionate about, uh, sort of why why you started Sendoso uh, way back. So I'd love to hear your thoughts here. Like for you, what does personalized outreach and outbound look like? Yeah. So personalization, I think, is critical and is, is honestly expected these days. If it's not personalized, I think, uh, you know, don't send it. <laughs> Um, but I think it's all about what what could be personalized. Could it be the message? Could it be the timing of the outreach that you personalize, the call to action? Um, I personally have seen some good success with even just the PS and the email being personalized. Um, and then, you know, for other channels, like if you're using video to add personalization or if you're using uh, a direct mailer like or gift, uh, you can personalize the gift, the handwritten note, the follow-up. Uh, so I think everyone should think about everything that they do should be personalized. And how do you personalize a gift if you don't know the person you're reaching out to? What are yes, like your I, best tips there? Yeah, yeah. So I think you can personalize based on the person. You can personalize based on the persona or the title. Uh, you can per personalize based on the location of that person and kind of the geo. Uh, you could personalize based on... The, the seller's product. So you can try to create a gift or, uh, that um, has some kind of fun meaning or relation to the value proposition you sell. Um, like maybe you're sending a candle and you say like, hey, we help, you know, light a fire under your leads, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, some kind of way where it feels like there's 
a, per, a connection and a more personal approach to um, the the gift and the message that's coming from. Got it. Very cool. That sounds like a lot of fun to think about those like different ways you can you can personalize it with gifting. Oh yeah. Awesome. So um, I want to talk about a few core focuses that I know uh, Sendos is focused on at the moment. Uh, first one is international expansions. So tell me more about that. What's going on? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, for a, for a lot of companies, scaling international is is kind of a, a, a important area after you've kind of dominated your core key market. Um, and so for us, it's been on our minds for the last few years. We've been international in terms of supporting our customers since almost the beginning, but going after and finding new customers in new international regions has been important to us. And one of the things that drove us there was just international parity for our uh, global conglomerates that want to do the same types of campaigns and programs and, and use the same platform in all regions of the world. And so if we start with a, a customer in the U.S. and they have an APAC or an EMEA team, they say, hey, you know, Sonosa works really well for our SDR team or our demand gen team. We want that. We want to replicate this across the world. And so that's been important for that global parity. Um, the solution we offer, you know, direct mail and gifting um, to help break, grab the attention and, and uh, help with meetings or pipeline, et cetera, is a problem that, you know, anywhere, anyone, anywhere needs to solve. I don't think... Uh, you know, pipeline and, 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 you know, book meetings is something that's a worldwide problem or a worldwide opportunity. So I think that's also uh, what's driving us internationally. Very exciting. Um, and so similar to that, like, what about upselling into existing customer base? Like, what are your, your thoughts and plans there? And like, especially right now, given the, the current economic climate that <laughs> everyone's talking about. Yeah. Um, kind of my motto for that is deliver new value. And how do we deliver new value to our customers? Um, I think it's a kind of a spin on uh, the approach because it makes you think about, well, customers come first. That's number one. And then what would we, what, what do our customers need in terms of new value that they're willing to pay for? And then if you think about that, then it's like, okay, well, they're paying for something. That's an expansion. So I think that's uh, one of the key learnings for us is how we spun that to thinking about delivering new value to our customers. Um, and for us to, uh, you know, Sendosu has a really wide range. And I mentioned this earlier, but the SCR team, the AE team, the CSM team, the, the support team, the people team uh, can be using the, our, our product. And so we have this, you know, ex land and expand opportunity where we can land with one of those teams and then grow into others. And so that's really where we want to deliver new value to different teams in the organization. Um, so that's been important. And we've also tried to really shift some of our North Star. I think in the first few years of the business, the first five years, it was all about ARR. And now we're really wanting to focus on NRR and how do we have a, uh, how do we think about that so that we can rally the company around the celebrations of the account management team and the customer success team that are finding and growing um, and uh, upgrading our current customers, uh, which might not show up in our new ARR number, but our NRR number will will showcase that. So I think that's important too to make sure that you're, uh, if you do want to to double down on expansion, making sure those key north star metrics um, are uh, something that everyone in the company looks at. Yeah, and I think that's definitely like a trend right now. It's no longer just like a grow at all costs. It's yes. about growing smarter versus faster, right? With profitability, 
in mind. So how are you ensuring that your sort of the right sales reps are attacking the right accounts? Like, and how about like new industries? And how are you thinking about that whole shift from like pure ARR focus, grow at all costs to like NRR focus and make sure you're bringing on like good quality revenue that stays and, and grows? Um, yeah. Um, great, great questions. <laughs> um, so one thing we did was an ICP analysis, making sure we uh, are selling into the right ICP. Um, we also uh, brought on like a chief business officer to oversee sales and success. Um, so there's uh, uh, so that person is uh, super helpful in really creating uh, you know a really strong partnership there and making sure sales doesn't just sell deals that customer success then can't service. So I think that's important. Um, think about sales efficiency metrics like magic number. I think is key and, and looking at uh, other sales efficiency metrics. So you're, you don't have a really bloated sales team that's costing a lot and not producing enough. Um, I think it's also focusing on conversion. I think, uh, you know, there a, a lot of, uh, in the kind of growth at all costs model of, you know, 2021, you might just say, you know, hey, let's just hire a hundred new salespeople um, and we'll just spend tons of money on top of funnel pipeline. Uh, but now I think uh, there's a bit more of a focus on how do we improve the conversion, the closed one conversion rate, or how do we improve the the uh, stage progression rates? And and honing in on that might not be, uh, you know, you might not be throwing money at it. You, you're you optimizing it based on you know, enablement, on training, on data, um, and other things that you can keep in your control. Right. So it's like, how are you optimizing you know, your funnel. Exactly. Uh, Versus just throwing tons of new uh, costly pipeline in the top of it and letting a ton of it leak out. Mm -hmm. Yep. Definitely a trend I think we're seeing too. And like, you know, uh, for us selling the sales intelligence and mobile phone numbers and just like helping with better pickup rates, like that's a huge trend. The sales leaders right now are starting to look into like their leaky funnel and see like, okay, okay, what can we like optimize? What can we make more efficient? So exactly. yeah, definitely seeing that as well. Um, another thing that I know you mentioned um, was the approach of bottom-up forecasting versus top-down planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so you know, I think uh, companies will look at how they forecast a couple of different ways, and I think when you're in this kind of growth at all cost model, you really you, you really want to like, uh, or your board and maybe your C levels execs or CEO will come out and say, hey, we want to double next year. Uh, or we want to triple. So, so CRO, here's your number, get it. And so you really like pick a number and then you work backwards on, okay, how many heads do I need? How much uh, pipeline do I need? Uh, how many SDRs do I need to book meetings? And so you're doing a lot of uh, reverse planning where you're then happy to hire people and, and, and grow that way. I think for uh, kind of the bottoms up model, which we see um, in, in kind of a climate where you're not in this aggressive uh, sales hiring phase, is you look at what can you accomplish with the current reps you have? What's the quota attainment that you currently have? Um, and what's that bottom-up motion? And so you then are going to pick maybe a more realistic forecast saying, hey, if, if all of our rep it, it hit 80% of their quota, um, what is that number? Um, and plus or minus maybe for some headcount growth or, for, or some uh, reps that are uh, overachievers. Uh, and then really use that as your forecasting model. So I think you could, some companies will look at both of those um, and try to meet in the middle. Some companies uh, will uh, focus on one during growth phase 
Uh, but I think the bottoms up can be a bit more predictable if uh, if you're not in uh, this like hyper growth where you're going to throw a lot of money at heads. Mm -hmm. So again, sort of dissecting the funnel and see what you can like realistically do with what you already have and what you can sort of exactly in there. Yeah, yeah, makes makes total sense. Um, another theme I think right now in terms of like optimization or cost saving um, is just. AI or tech that's out there to sort of augment or complement sales teams um, and their ability to continue to hit numbers without, you know, constant hiring. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, have you experimented or, or played around with that? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a couple of different ways that we look at AI. I think one is, can you use the tools like uh, Google Bard or uh, ChatGPT and some of the plugins that bring in modern data to, uh, to kind of do research faster and better. You know, one example that I love for our enterprise sales team is uh, asking uh, one of those uh, AI tools to like, hey, look at this public company recently uh, released their, uh, you know, 10Q filing. Give me the, the five key points as it relates to marketing. And so you could take a 135 page public filing document for a public company that you're trying to go sell to and get like, Four bullet, uh, like five bullets. And so that's like previously, that was a tactic that we uh, had looked at. And that would take you maybe a, a half hour, an hour. Now it takes you five minutes. So I think there's those, some of those processes and techniques are super helpful. And then I think uh, a lot of companies uh, in your sales tech stack are just adding more AI functionality into your current stack. I, I think, you know, most, uh, most tools right now are thinking, what is our AI approach? How are we bringing in AI into our product? And so I think that's another way that we look at our tech stack and we, we ask our vendors, you know, what are they doing in, in terms of AI? Got it. Yeah, super interesting. I, I heard about a, about a company the other day uh, who I think they said they were going to lay off like 70% of their SDRs and replace them with AI, which sounds, you know, kind of crazy. Like, what are your thoughts on that trend? Like, is that something that we'll see more and more? Is that realistic? Will we always need SDRs? I think we will always need SDRs. I think, uh, I, I personally don't think some of the like email message writing is perfect yet. The response, uh, to a human question is perfect yet. I think at some point we'll get there. Maybe it's a year, maybe it's a couple years to where you can augment some of the manual work of writing, of replying, of scheduling. Uh, but there's certain things uh, that you can't replace too easily. And I think some of those are potentially cold calling um, or doing things like uh, cr thinking creative creatively about the account plan and how are you going to break into this committee or referencing your Salesforce data or your CRM data against you know, your outreach and really figuring out, you know, uh, who's the right person you should be contacting and why. And so some of those, you know, I think will, will take a while before uh, SDRs are augmented, but I, I like to use the word augmented than replaced because I think there'll always be a world. Um, I do think, you know, uh, tech, tech stacks are getting more savvy with integrations and you know, so, you know, 10 years ago when I was doing outbound, you know, you'd be copying and pasting, you know, phone numbers and email addresses and like some of that stuff's been automated. So I think, per, you know, there's definitely a lot of progress in removing the busy work and and t taking more time for selling. Mm 
Um, all right, very interesting. So another thing that I know uh, Sendoso can probably help with is multi-threading, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, channel strategy, multi-threading, like how are you supporting sales teams with this? Like what what's your approach? Yeah, you know, I think for a lot of B2B sellers, you know, they know that there's, they can't be single-threaded. They can't just have a single champion. They have to figure out who's on that buying committee and how do I engage them all through the sales process so that everyone is up to date, everyone's up to speed. And so um, sending out gifts can be a great part of that process or sending out just uh, pr printed collateral and information saying, hey, you know, XYZ person, I'm talking to your colleague. Here's a case study that might be interesting to you. And that appears on their desk or, uh, you know, is, is, is mailed to them. And something like that can just keep the buying committee up to date. You don't even have to have a, a call to action there. It could just be an information exchange. And I think that can be really relevant. Um, I think that also works if you're uh, selling through the channel or you have agencies and partners is how do you uh, reward incentivize folks or how do you thank people for referrals or for a job well done. And so I think gifting can be used for that as well. And how have you had to like change how Sendoza works with like people moving from an in-office environment to working from home? Yeah. What has so, been the challenges there? Yeah. That, you know, 2020 was a, a really crazy year for us in terms of shifting some of our product roadmap. But, um, you know, I think the, our key takeaways for that is one, we, we rolled out kind of a, an address confirmation functionality where you can ask the person, hey, I was going to send this to your office. Do you would you prefer to enter in an address instead? And so that could work really well. Um, we've also uh, have some data sets. Uh, or we can see, triangulate if they're in the office or not. And so there's some certain different ways that we're looking at uh, data to help with that. But uh, yeah, overall, I think it's, uh, you know, a, a growing uh, kind of opportunity and, and we're looking to solve that through data. Got it. All right. Very interesting. Yeah. 2020 must have been a very interesting year <laughs> for Sendoso. Can imagine as for, for most companies mm -hmm. um awesome so to to finish up like what would you recommend sales leader to start stop and continue doing for the remainder of 2023 um well i mean uh i guess i'll say start using sendoso <laughs> uh yeah, well, there you, you know you, you kind of laid that out for me so i'll, I'll throw that yeah, out there, there with a little self-promotion i think maybe stop uh I kind of say like stop asking for permission to try tactics and just do them. I think it, you know, I, a lot of people kind of hold off and say, I don't know if that's worth it. I don't know if I can try. I don't know if I need to like wait for all this, uh, you know, approval flows. I'd say, you know, as a sales leader, now is the time to try new things. Um, and I think the last one was to continue. I'd say continue to like audit your sales process, uh, audit your stage progression details and always evolve your process and really uh, audit how you're thinking about kind of the sales ops, rev ops component of your sales process. I think some sales leaders can fall complacent to being like, hey, it was set up three years ago. I just assume everything's working, but like always go back in there and see how you can optimize the sales process. Love it. So like never be complacent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Those are some good sort of final words of wisdom. Thank yeah. you so much for coming to the podcast, Chris. You bet. Thanks for having me on today. Awesome.